0: Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life.
1: From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking state of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, a return visit from one of our most popular guests ever, Mr. Graham Hancock, as we discuss his amazing follow-up to Fingerprints of the Gods, Magicians of the Gods, as he brings us intriguing new evidence of an extinction-level event just 12,800 years ago right here in North America. A sea of mud, Gobeki Tepe, as well as a cosmic call to arms to save humanity, all as we peer back into the mists of time. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast begins now. Welcome back everybody. Episode 78 of the Drunken Dows Podcast and I gotta tell you. If you told me five years ago that I would be having my second hour-plus conversation with the man, Graham Hancock, I never would have believed it. Uh, this is a great conversation. And, oh, by the way, there's Danielle Bellelli across the table. Sorry, I, I took off and went crazy. But, man, is there a cooler cat?
0: No, Graham is just such a nice human being. He's just a good person, period. It's and we like, got to meet
1: Santa? Yeah, she yeah, came? Yeah, yeah. And
0: His family is great. Delightful. He's a great human. He's just always easy to chat with him such a pleasant good person it's just i cannot say enough good things about him and and again those of you guys i know some of you guys love his stuff some of you guys may not be on board with some of his theories that to me is completely i mean regardless that doesn't matter the the man himself, the human being is a good human being period regardless of whether you agree you disagree that's completely secondary I personally find that the stuff we're going to be discussing today is insanely interesting. He makes some excellent, quite convincing points worth listening to. Uh, Let's check it out because that's some really good stuff. Now, having said that, a couple of quick thank yous to the people who have been supporting us all along. Datsusara with the greatest hemp gear on the planet. Uh, That makes some great Christmas gifts, by the way. Mm. The computer bags, the backpacks, the...
1: Hopefully um, the Jones will be ready. The uh, the Indiana Jones styled satchel. Oh yeah, I'm,
0: I'm looking forward to right, that about one. Now it should be ready. Yep, indeed. Uh, Onit. Com, we have been just consuming Alpha Brain like there's no tomorrow to last us through a very busy podcasting day.
1: It's that time change. It makes me crazy, man. Yep. It's dark at like three thirty in the afternoon. Why do they do that to us?
0: And the number of people I know swear by Alpha Brain grows every day um and then of course short design with the some of the coolest uh t-shirts of course since it's short design t-shirts but also he has a bunch of stuff more than t-shirts uh women's clothing dresses pants all sort of cool stuff is up there check out his website is changing all the time with new products coming in.
1: Be careful of them harem pants you might turn mother. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. That was, I, yeah, we mentioned before, it's hilarious. There's a sister website, harem pants, and uh, some, like, hardcore fundamentalist thing that is uh, mostly employed to take over the world, and it's, yeah, there's right.
1: that. Now, let me check make sure I got my list here. Micro ninjas. Uh, indeed. Human optimization. You got it. And happy nipples. You got them all. That's the big three, guys.
0: And uh, real quick, I mentioned it in the previous episode, but worth bringing up again. Um, My book, Not Afraid, is out in stores. There may be by this point an audio version. I hope there is, but I'm talking from the past, and I don't know if it has happened or not by now. So you will find out in the episode notes if there's a link to buy it or not. Otherwise, you know, you can always... I'll also put a link in the episode notes to my website, danielebolelli.com, where you can click on the cover for Not Afraid, will take you to that page, and if you want to get it, that would be sweet. I put kind of really my, uh, there's a lot of heart and soul in that book. It's a little less theory, and it's more about experience and life lived and everything, kind of what the last few years of my life have been like. It's intense I can tell you that much it's also it's probably not a good gift for somebody if they are easily offended by cussing but then again you probably don't listen to the Drunken Taoist if you are easily offended by cussing
1: yeah you chase you off at the very beginning with that
0: yes yeah, so it's um, or if you are offended by things that are question morally questionable and legally shady occasionally and eh, not that many actually but it's um, not too bad not at all and the other thing is um, i have a link in the episode notes to a project that i'm working with um, with, with albert ohenian from uh, float clinic we have an indiegogo going for uh, the whole idea is a regard uh, is a raising funds for creating kind of a modern social center a place that makes flotation tanks uh, with mar- a place for martial art classes yoga classes uh, a venue for live podcasting possibly a juice bar for people to hang out and the whole idea is these are cool things that we like but more importantly bringing them all under the same roof will allow you to meet like-minded people the first of these places would be built in LA somewhere and then of course there's the possibility of having more or encouraging other people or giving them tips to do their own thing but yeah, if you can check it out and in case you can't support it, that would be very, very sweet. Even if by any chance the Indiegogo may have ended by now, which I can't remember, honestly, because my brain is scrambled and I can't keep track of dates. Um, just you can always touch base with us and let us know if you are interested in supporting it. We're not going to turn you away because the Indiegogo's ended, that's for sure. I'm going to shut up because I want to get our good man Graham Hancock on. So, Daniele, shut up. Graham Hancock, please come in. This is your happy present.
1: This is a great interview.
0: Okay, guys, back to business. Today we are honor to have here one more time Mr. Graham Hancock here with us thank you so much for coming on to the show
2: It's a total pleasure to be with you Danny
0: I was so stoked, I saw your email I was like, yeah, are you kidding me? you wanna like, come on, perfect, let's do this this is wonderful.
2: We had fun the last time
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely was a very fun conversation So let's go play, I read at record speed uh, your new book yeah. Magicians of the Gods, I had a blast with it it was great, I, I can see Uh, for any if anybody has not read Graham's work yet I don't mean just this one but his other books as well one of the things that makes it easy is that you write in such a easy to approach style it draws you you in it gives you all the things that keep you hooked and interested and yet it never feels like you're doing math homework or something because you know there are so many books that are good stuff Mm -hmm. but the way they are written you're like it's like mining. I have to do these work to get Absolute. to the good nuggets. I read a lot
2: of books like that.
0: Yeah, and uh, luckily you don't write books
2: like that. <laughs> so Thank you. That's a big plus. Uh, that's what I. That's what I, f- I. feel myself to be first and foremost is is a writer. Uh-huh. Um, you know, with a with a background in, in journalism. It's one of the reasons why I find myself increasingly annoyed when people attempt to put me down by saying Hancock is a pseudo-archaeologist right. or a pseudo-scientist. This is, these, this is a one-word put-down mm-hmm. in, in which, in fact, an ideological opponent will seek to entirely dismiss Absolutely. the value of all my work. Just, just, just write it out. and I, I dislike it for a, number, for a number of reasons, but most importantly of all, because I've never claimed to be a scientist mm-hmm. or an archaeologist. That's not what I do. It's right. not what I want to do. It's not what I want to be. Yep. I don't want to be a specialist in those areas. I'm a, I'm a generalist. I'm hmm. synthesizing information across a huge range of disciplines. And that's fundamentally a journalistic and a, and a writing skill. And that's what, I, that's what I see I am. So where this idea of pseudoscientist or, or pseudo-archaeologist come from, I, I feel I'm, you know, I'm no more a, a pseudoscientist than a dolphin is a pseudo-fish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dolphins and fish may be found in some of the same places. Sure. And they may look a bit like each other, but they are fundamentally different yep. creatures. Oh. And, and this, is, this is the feeling I have about this criticism. I see it used again and again as an attempt to just write me off without absolute discussion. Don't bother with this man. Don't bother with his nope. ideas. Just forget it. And it's ideology. I've realized actually in this mm-hmm. history that we're in the study of the human past that we are engaged in an ideological struggle for uh, possession of the soul of humanity. That's what's at, hi- at stake here.
0: I agree 100%. And to me, I think it's a point that you have hit on multiple times how the fundamentalist mind yeah. is the same regarding of which hat you put on. So if somebody is yeah. a hardcore scientist, yes. but their brain still works in absolutes, yeah. and this is yes. the absolute truth, and everything that doesn't fit in these confines is not, yeah. You may speak the language of science, but deep at heart, you're a fundamentalist. You it, exactly. the
2: fundamentalist is a fundamentalist, exactly. wh- whatever stripe they, yep. they wear. Yep. Yep. It's, yep. It's, it's, it's definitely the
1: case. How I'm do right. you explain the actions of these ISIS guys that are destroying these amazing sites? I mean, what is their thought in that? Well, do you have any idea? Uh, f- first off, ISIS is a death cult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We,
2: have, we have death cults operating in the world today, which, are, which fu- fu- fundamentally are focused around murder. Um, and, and destruction. Mm-hmm. And this is, the, this is the fundamentalist mindset, in fact. If a system of ideas does not coincide with your system of ideas, you're not going to argue with it. You're actually going to kill them. You're going to destroy them. And yep. if there are, if there are uh, pieces of evidence for the past or, or beautiful structures from the past that are not part of your particular system of ideas, why? You're just going to go and smash them to pieces and, and, and destroy them, uh, which, which shows the in- incredible stupidity of, of these people, that they are that they are brought up, they are taught certain stuff in childhood, and they never question it again. They mm-hmm. just accept it as fact, and then they become so passionate about it, and then it becomes identified with their own personality so that any criticism of the idea uh, becomes a sort of existential threat against the individual himself. And, and uh, they, they respond with very destructive and, and violent behavior. And it's horrible that this and, is And happening. terrifying. Yep. And terrifying. I mean, where does it lead to? There um, really
1: is no changing their mind. No, the the no. Christian fundamentalists are every bit as crazy. Every bit
2: as crazy. Yeah. And, you know, you can <clears throat> see evidence for that in ancient Egypt. I mean, the, the real destruction of the Egyptian temples, the systematically going around and pecking out of the, the reliefs that was done by Christian fundamentalists, mm-hmm. Uh, back around 400 af- after Christ. you know, wow. they went, Christianity went through a very fundamentalist phase. They, they were a very persecuting religion. They started burning people at the stake, which they continued to do for more than a thousand years after that. And, and um, you, you know, they, they, they were enormously destructive. It's like it's like uh, we we hate your ideas so much that we're going to actually rub them from the face yeah, of the earth. We'll erase
1: so you while we're at it. Yeah.
2: And
0: I think that's the, the basic insecurity where you are not sure in your convictions and so… Because you have this insecurity yeah, inside, yeah, you want You need to be 100% right. I think when you're really confident, you're open to the possibility that yes. maybe I got it right, maybe yes. I don't. Yes. You know, let's yes. play. Cause That's
2: he, a sign of existential
0: confidence. Exactly.
2: Where, where you're securely grounded in your own position, mm-hmm. so securely grounded that you're prepared to listen to what other people have to say. And if what they have to say is persuasive Great. and evidence-based, you can change your position. Yeah. This is how, this is how humanity should be, as a matter of fact. This what? Best it, of us. It's
1: okay to be wrong on occasion? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes! Well, that's the best stuff. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, astronomy nut, and mm. if you look back at books from even 40 years ago, there are huge swaths of things that are completely wrong. Yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Which were considered to be completely right. Yeah, of we knew exactly that, that, what a quasar that, 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 that was that in stuff. 1960, and they missed it by a mile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's that's that's, that's the best part. True. That's why I've always loved science. Is that yeah? Test it. See if it, even if it turns out different. Well look what we And ideas, ideas are constantly in flux, and we're constantly
2: learning new things, and that should, that should produce some willingness to be flexible because the history of science teaches us that, that almost every scientific idea which is yeah. regarded as written in stone actually turns out to be wrong in some way later on and is, and is proved to be wrong. So let's make a virtue of that. I, I, I agree. This is a, it's an exciting aspect of science that, that, that um, you know, science is subject to the evidence process, but it's interesting how long an established theory will resist new evidence okay. and, and will, and will uh, ignore the new evidence and yep. maintain the established theory. And again, we get back to the fundamentalist mindset, the existential commitment to a system of ideas becomes so powerful that it's just impossible to accept new ideas. But eventually change comes.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's so bizarre because, as we're saying, you know, the scientific method is the beautiful concept that could free people Perfect. because it's like there's a theory, you go test it, yeah. you find the evidence, yeah. Does it confirm it? Yes. No, you revise. It's just basic what everybody should do in every way.
2: what everybody should do. The one thing and I would say is that the in, integral to the scientific method is, is actually destructive criticism. Mm-hmm. The, when any new idea is floated in science, uh, the, the attempt of the scientific community will be, first of all, to see can we destroy that idea? Can we absolutely right. pulverize it and smash it to pieces? And I get that. That puts an idea through a test of fire. And if, it, and, and if it survives that test of fire, there's probably something in it. I get that. But I wish that science sometimes would look for the positive in an idea exactly. rather, rather than look for what they can destroy. Yep. Let's see this idea. Maybe it's a bit cookie, but maybe there's something in yep. it that we can learn from. You know, that, that would be a way to go.
0: Because more likely than not… Unless an idea is dead-on perfect mm-hmm. or is completely just budget crazy, more likely than not, both things are gonna happen. And the percentage may not be a fifty-fifty. Maybe that an idea is ninety-nine percent bad, but it has the one 100%. little good thing there.
1: That opens so, the door to something else. Which yes. opens the door to
2: something else, which, for all we know, could you know save humanity. Exactly, yes. the idea might be there.
0: So my approach is, you know, hammer where you need to hammer hard, mm-hmm. but also look for can I salvage anything out of this? Is there anything that's stronger than the rest and we can use it? Because ultimately, I think we all do that, right? I mean, unless you are pathologically insecure... You're going to be open to the fact that anything you say, Mm. there's probably a good chance that some of the stuff you say is bullshit and you'll realize it and you go, oh, look at that. It turned out I did something wrong. And it's fine. It's like nobody expects perfection from in any field. You know, you don't expect uh, Michael Jordan to eat every single throw he does. It's like you make mistakes and that's fine. The point is, is the good stuff that you're digging in more than the bad stuff? and that's.
1: I love how wrong they were about Pluto. Yeah, I mean, but the least... Nobody missed it by a mile. No, the least goes on, right? There's a
0: long... And that's what human knowledge is. The problem is the arrogance when you find those people. And that, to me, is the right there how you know when you're dealing with a fundamentalist when... They have the truth. Yeah. The discussion yeah. is over. Is yeah.
1: we know the truth. Yeah, it's you like, are wrong. You, exactly. As, is, and that's what I makes that your book right. so 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 dangerous to him. I think because you're offering up and then, then, oh, to me it's just like yeah, of course all of this is possible. Is some of it wrong? Probably. Sure. But it sure is fun mm-hmm. to imagine what were those cultures like. Surely they were there. You know exactly. Why were there no humans and, in North America? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. or were there? Or yeah. were there? Yeah. And this is and this is um,
2: you know this is the, this is the way that I. The, that, that, that I try to to go with this material to to look for what works and to mm-hmm. and, and to make it happen and to provide a coherently argued thoroughly referenced alternative argument uh, I feel that mainstream history and archaeology have had an easy ride in many ways because the critique is often is often weak and 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 so easy to knock down um, and and what i 'm i 've tried to do throughout my my writing career in this area is to up the game of the alternative side mm-hmm. to 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 make a a really coherent alternative case so that at least the the, the general public who are reviewing this material are, are getting an alternative they 're getting yeah. something that 's worth having uh, to think about mm-hmm. uh, rather than just you know, this single narrative. Because that's, I mean, history, let's not forget, is a story. True. And, and as some have pointed out, it is his story. Uh-huh. It's a story told by men very, very much. By down, the winners. The age, yeah. By the winners. But it is a story. Uh-huh. Uh, it is a narrative. And and once you realize that, you realize that in, a, in, in the realm of ideas, um, all narratives are ideological. Uh-huh. And that's what I find with um, my... Long dispute now with the archaeological community mm-hmm. that, that fundamentally I have found myself against my will. I thought I was getting into a rational discussion with intelligent people, right. but actually i 've been drawn into an ideological war yep. uh, and the tools of ideology and of propaganda uh, ha- are systematically used to, to, to try to discredit what i 'm doing and to get to get people to the point where they won 't even pick pick my books up. Sure. there 's just no point in looking at it yep. that 's the message that archaeology sends and, but fortunately. I do feel, and I notice this, that things are changing in the world, hmm. uh, that, there is a, that there is a much more critical attitude towards authority now. Yep. That's a very, big, a very big and important change. Twenty years ago, when I wrote Fingerprints of the Gods, you know, the, the professors of archaeology who said, this is complete rubbish, don't waste your time on it, they were listened to. Today... Um, authority has become a poisoned ch- chalice, actually, mm-hmm. because we are, we've all been through experiences in the last 20 years where, where individuals in positions of authority we know yeah. have lied to us. Yeah. They have actually systematically lied and deliberately misled us. Absolutely. And, and this, has, this has actually pulled the foundations out from underneath what used to be the argument from authority. And, and it's, changing, it's changing a lot. So I'm looking forward to new developments in this So area. you see the whole, uh, there are weapons of mass
0: destruction in
2: Iraq. We can thank George Bush, right? Yeah. Things worked out
0: in the end. Yeah, yeah. No, because it does. I mean, especially points 1960s, but definitely more and more in time, mm. people have started realizing that just because you are in a position of authority doesn't mean you're right it all of the time, right let now. alone ever, you know, sometime yeah, yeah.
2: you... Well, in fact, and there's so much suspicion of authority now. Yeah. Um, amongst intelligent thinking Mm -hmm. people that it's almost a disadvantage to be labeled as an authority. Yeah, and in 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 fact, it
0: can swing the other direction where everything is a crazy conspiracy theory where you're like, okay, you know, tone it down a tiny bit. Occasionally, some things happen and they are exactly for what you see. You know, it's not that there's always some behind-the-scenes stories. What do you think as far as... uh, The criticism—is there anything that you seized on where there was a point where you thought, "Oh, you know, this point that they are making actually kind of makes sense"? Like any criticism of your work where you felt it was warranted. Yes. Yes.
2: Um, For example, uh, when I when I wrote uh, *Fingerprints of the Gods*, Mm -hmm. which was published in 1995, um, what I was proposing in that book was that a giant global cataclysm somewhere in the window between 13,000 and 12,000 years ago uh, Had been on such a scale that it had wiped out an entire civilization which had left us only its its fingerprints Mm -hmm. Now I was not able in the early 1990s to absolutely identify what that cataclysm was right and I I Reviewed a number of theories one of which is particularly elegant and attractive and it's called the earth crust displacement theory Hmm. but I'm not abandoning that theory entirely. Sure. It's not something it's not something that we should completely throw out. But there are. It was drawn to my attention that there are serious geological problems with that theory. Mm-hmm. That it's very hard to make it stand up. I mean, one okay. of the issues actually is the Hawaiian Islands, which are created by the movement of the Earth's, the Earth's crust, the tectonic plates moving mm-hmm. over a hotspot. And you would see a, a very different signature of the Hawaiian Islands if there had been a one-piece displacement of the entire crust of the Earth. Gotcha. It would look very. And so this was this, I thought, was a cogent criticism. Right. Um, and, and but I still think that the material on Earth crust displacement is really worth considering because sure. it's very odd uh, the, the 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 uneven distribution of ice on the on the planet and mm-hmm. and charles hapgood's suggestion that that actually what an ice age is is that that bit of the planet is at the pole at one or other pole at that time and that the sure. shift of the crust will will move it i think it's a it's an idea that's worthy of further inquiry and shouldn't be shouldn't be thrown out but i accepted that that, mm-hmm. that, that criticism that in a sense it um, because it wasn't possible to absolutely prove this geological argument, and there were question marks over it, it, it weakened my my whole argument somewhat, sure. and it made it it made it seem less likely mm-hmm. that there had been a global cataclysm between thirteen thousand and, and twelve thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason that I'm, I've written "Magicians of the Gods," one amongst several reasons, is that it, that since two thousand and seven, emanating from. Absolutely mainstream science, peer reviewed in the, yep. the top scientific journals, has been a body of new science which c- came at me completely out of left field, which is actually saying there was a huge global cataclysm in the window between 13,000 and 12,000 years ago. Right. And so. this was caused by the impact of several fragments of a comet, mm-hmm. primarily on the North American ice cap. Right. And, and this has gone from being uh, a proposition. When the first papers were published in 2007, mm-hmm. to being as close as you can get to to an absolutely established scientific fact today, and and the thing is that that. Um, up till now, most of it has been confined to very the ra- very rarefied atmosphere mm-hmm. of professional scientific journals. Right. And the general public are not fully aware of this story that's been developing. And the the argument in the story up till now has largely been amongst geologists. Did it happen mm-hmm. or did it not happen? And the idea has been tested. And one of the great things about the team, let's call them the Younger Dryas Impact Team, because mm-hmm. that is the basic w- wording behind this, this this theory, is that they have been very methodical and very systematic every time an attempt has been made to refute their theory. They've addressed the attempt in very great detail. They've nice. looked at the evidence and they've found again and again that the evidence was actually bogus. Right. That, people were, that people were going and sampling the wrong areas right. and, and, and then saying, oh, this proves your idea is wrong. So they've, they've withstood the fire of criticism. And their argument now in 2015 is really strongly founded. And, and, and it's an important idea that we admit now into other areas of inquiry. And I mm-hmm. think what... What I've done with magicians of the gods, I think it's the first time this has been done, that I've taken that scientific data and I've said, what are the implications of this for our understanding of the origins of human civilization? If we have an extinction-level event Mm -hmm. happening 12,800 years ago… unleashing a period that geologists call the Younger Dryas of a hell world yeah. for 1,200 years until another incident occurs 11,600 years ago that brings this process to, to, to a close. We are right in the foundations of what archaeology teaches us are the beginnings of civilization. Right. But they have not incorporated the global cataclysm into their model. Absolutely. Oops. We forgot that. And that, to me, raises an enormous question mark over the whole narrative that we've been given about the origins of civilization. Mm-hmm. And the way I put it, you know, I call it the house of history. And the house of, the house of history may be very well made for the last eight or 9,000 years. But if it stands on foundations of sand, yeah, of sooner course. or later, it's going to fall down. And I think that's what we're coming to now.
0: No, that makes perfect sense. And so what you're saying is that the current scientific debate is, whereas before was considered some crazy cookie ideas, mm-hmm. now there's a lot more.
2: There's a lot of, there's a lot of real focused scientific debate uh, around this issue the impact, of the comet impact. Uh, yeah. And the evidence, which I go into in great length in, in the book, is, in, in my view, overwhelming. Uh, and, and it spreads across 50 million square kilometers of the Earth's surface. Yeah. And it's accompanied by gigantic animal extinctions. Right. And, and really, it changed, it changed the world. And the, I think the point to make um, is that these extinction-level events, they do happen from time to time. And when they happen, they wipe the slate clean mm-hmm. and they start a new story. Right. That's what happened with the extinction of the dinosaurs. Right. Many b- b- uh, scientists are of the view that we would not be here right. if the dinosaurs had not been made extinct by a cosmic impact mm-hmm. 65 million years ago. That, that opened the way for the mammal line to climb begin up to, to begin to take its place so, so these are these are events that change the world yeah. completely and the discovery of such an event between 12,800 and 11,600 years ago has to change our view of human history
0: no of completely. course for sure and whereas the 65 million years ago is nobody argue with it right yes. now uh, the 12,000 years ago so you're saying how how widespread is the consensus of that? How much are there still a lot of resistance? What's the? I
2: looked into this in great depth. Um, mm-hmm. The resistance um, the resistance has boiled down to a few individuals okay. who are invested in other models. For example, there are a number of scientists who are who are very invested in the notion that the animal extinctions were caused by human beings. Mm. That human beings, hunter-gatherers, came, for example, to sure. North America and wiped out the mammoths like in a period of a few hundred years. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, 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 they're convinced of that. And that ideologically connects to the notion that mankind is responsible for extinctions today. Sure. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but that, 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 that there's a connection. <laughs> I, I get it. But the, what's
0: funny about it is that that's where you see ideology award. Yes. Because nobody's saying that humans cannot have had an impact. No. Because, you know, of no, course, of if course. you have an extinction-level event and on top of it you're getting yeah. speared to that by humans, yeah. that will contribute. And that yeah. may be the thing that push over the edge. Yes. But is that's what boils down to those absolute is- theorists where it's like... This is the single explanation that's sold into that it, and any, and any
2: new evidence that challenges that must be, you know, viciously, uh, viciously yep. attacked. Another vested interest is in the notion that humanity is entirely responsible for all the global warming that's taking mm-hmm. place now. Right? Um, the, the, you know, that is. There's a strong body of science that is that is saying that sure. and that is actually connected to all kinds of issues that are of happening course. in the world in of the course. world today uh, and that body of scientists don't like climate change there was radical climate mm-hmm. change 12,800 years ago at the beginning of the younger dryas they don't like that to have been caused by some External agency, like a big rock from outer space, <laughs> but that's not even up for debate
0: because we know that there was a
2: change. Yeah, exactly, and we there know was that there was no, a change. So. We know that there was a change. But they, the idea that that was um, that that was some sort of cataclysmic uh, impact, they don't like that. They right. want, to, they want to humanity to be implicated in the story in some way, which they cannot be. Uh, and so you find yourself people coming from vested interests in those two fields that mankind is responsible for everything, uh, dislike the idea of the cosmos slapping us down with a big yeah. rock. And Every now and then, and so they've sought to oppose it because it's dangerous to their vested ideas. And, but what's happened is that these these um, uh, attempts to refute the Younger Dryas Mm -hmm. Impact Theory have all failed. Not a single one of them has actually stood up to close examination. Not a single one. Nothing that they've said. And I'm really satisfied as to that because I went into it in enormous depth. I read every paper. I read every refutation. And I read every refutation of the refutation. And then I got in touch with the scientists themselves and and got the very latest information on this.
0: And I think that's the problem with uh, absolutist arguments that because you want to hold the line and be right 100%, then when eventually somebody does poke in your theory and show that maybe in that case you are wrong, Mm -hmm. suddenly then because we think in black and white that opens the door to there is no global warming human beings have nothing to do with it so you know keep burning oil and it's a great idea and it's like it's neither or it's neither we're not
2: or. exactly, it's, exactly. It's, we don't we don't have to go down these absolutist positions yep. we have to we have to use the incredible intelligence that the universe has gifted us with rather than shutting down much <laughs> of our intelligent faculties
0: and it's funny that people who are clearly doing something that there's a good point there. There's mm-hmm. a good point about making human beings responsible sure for let's watch what we're doing environmentally sure and all of that. So I sympathize. And yet when you make it absolute, you're actually not yeah. really doing any, yeah. not even your own theory a favor. Because once it's demonstrated and a few things you're wrong, mm-hmm. people will throw Everything the else, baby away with the bathwater. And, and, and it's uh,
2: with, with, with the bathwater. And, you the, know, on this issue of global warming, I mean, let's not let's not get into that too much. Sure. But on this issue of global warming. The, the, the role of humanity in this um, our behavior on this planet, the way this technological civilization is working, mm-hmm. our focus on material goods and, 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 and production to turn every human being into a producer or, co- or a consumer of material things to suggest that there 's nothing more to it than that, the way that we that we devastate this yep. this beautiful planet the, 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 the pollution the, mm-hmm. the, the insanity of, yep. of, of of nuclear power and nuclear weapons, all of this. Whether or not it's affecting global warming, whether mm-hmm. or not our, favor, uh, our, our behavior is affecting right. global warming, we should be changing our behavior anyway. <laughs> exactly. That's my it, point. it's philosophically and spiritually yeah. wrong yep. Yep. to continue yep. to behave as a species in the way we're doing. Absolutely. And, that, and like, that's, that's true regardless mm-hmm. of the implications of it. That's, uh, this is too easy. Like
0: we, we see it the exact same way on yeah. this stuff. Yeah. No. Yeah. What do you think as far as these <laughs> extinction-level events – if we're talking about uh, 12,800 years ago if we're talking you know about the younger dryas case specifically or in general how would anybody have survived cuz you well, know so you did, describe yeah. you know the scenario you describe very Global convincingly wildfires
2: massive instant flooding it's, landscapes devastated yeah. by, by almost unimaginable scale floods yeah. as we find uh, right across the southern edge of the ice cap in, in North America yeah, the evidence is powerful on the ground for really horrendous yeah. horrendous flooding well it's clear that north america was the epicenter of mm-hmm. this it was a it was a global disaster yep. but the heart of the disaster was in was in north america yep. and that's why the slate is so wiped clean mm-hmm. in north america why there's all these mysteries why scientists still can't agree about when human beings yep. first arrived in america because it looks like they were they were only there and then and then uh, and then they vanished you know right. it's a, there's a very weird very weird thing and then we keep getting contradictory evidence just yesterday there was a new report from from um, south america from from, from Chile, where they're fi- finding clearly man-made tools uh, in strata that go back close to 20,000 years. Right. And, that, and, and right now, science is saying that human beings didn't really enter the Americas until about 13,000 13,000, exactly. Yep. And that's become a dogma. Yep. Uh, and anybody who tries to argue with that, what is called the Clovis model, yep. everybody who tries to argue with that gets massively attacked.
0: And one of the fact that it's plainly obvious that the model is wrong yeah. is the fact that if Either that model is wrong or the other model is wrong, the Bering Strait theory is wrong, yes. because the whole idea that you have human beings coming through the Bering Strait into Alaska and moving their way down, well, there's a problem that if you have dates that are 13,000 years ago at the bottom of South America, yes. that
2: doesn't uh, pan up. You really, know, how long would their, it take these guys exactly. to get from the Bering Straits from Alaska yeah. – all the way down to the southern tip of Chile. Yeah. Mean, this is a this is a really <laughs> long project for humanity to do, and, yeah. and uh, that's what that's what's happening. The evidence keeps on overturning, but it
1: gives you more. a good opportunity for pieces of it to be correct. I mean, I know the the guys in Ohio swear that the Clovis stuff is for real, and that they have the oldest civilization, mm-hmm. and maybe that is. Maybe that was there when the impact happened, right. Right. undoubtedly, because th- this is why why one of the names that's
2: been given to this impact. I prefer to call it the Younger Dryas impact because mm-hmm. it's connected to this very mysterious p- period of geological. Past, very recent, but it's also called the Clovis impact. Right, mm-hmm. and the reason it's called the Clovis impact is because at exactly the time of that impact, that's when the Clovis culture, so recently arrived in North America, vanishes. Right, completely vanishes, destroyed utterly. Yeah, <coughs> and their and their remnants, their remains, are are, are are some of the material that is found beneath what they call the black mat, mm-hmm. this this layer, this stratum in the soil right. that bears witness to the Younger Dryas impact. Uh, so so. it it was responsible
1: for the extinction of the Clovis culture. And also makes it able for something 20,000 years ago to be in South America without any problem, because they did come across 30,000 years Mm. ago Populated North and South America, and then got erased. Yeah, that's 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 what happened. that works really yeah, well for both. It's
0: yeah, like yeah. you have that. You have the fact that all the megafauna disappears at that time. the yeah. Clovis culture disappears I always at heard that the time.
1: The, the American camel and the American lion were all killed by the right, right by the incoming Clovis. These yeah. these yeah. these ruthlessly efficient. You can only eat so many meat. lion burgers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, so
2: I I've always had a problem with that idea that 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 hunter gatherers were responsible for the the extinction of the megafauna in North America because I don't know a single hunter-gatherer culture either today or in the past that would behave towards their natural resources like that Hunter-gatherer no. cultures is actually very preservative of their natural resources. They yeah. don't do extinctions. Yeah. They, they, they have a, almost a spiritual relationship with the, the animal that they hunt. They do not overkill. No. They take what they need and they leave the rest and they thank the animal yeah. that they've killed. Very and, and
0: some of that is even if it's not, because you're right, most of the time there's a religious component to yeah. it. That But even if you were to take that away, even if somebody's like, oh, it's some romanticized crap, <laughs> A- it's good luck with that yeah. and B you also don't do it out of pure practical understanding that yeah. you can't wipe out your food because then you starve yeah it's, it's, a,
2: it's a very it's a very unreasonable thing to do yeah. it makes it makes it makes no sense and 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 the no, the, actually the notion that it could done, be done yeah. that even if these hunter-gatherers mm-hmm. had, had the will to wipe out all these animals could they actually have done it I don't right. think so
0: Exactly, I don't think
2: so not in that short time frame yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: but, but yet those who are invested in what's called sure. the overkill model mm-hmm. don't like the suggestion that these megafauna were made extinct by, yep. by a cosmic impact, of it course, is the whole basis of their argument. Now, I've
1: heard that at one point humanity was reduced down to several thousand individuals, and that you can see that in the DNA record. Does that fit into this time it's zone? Quite, it's quite
2: correct, and that was that's thought to have been caused by a gigantic volcanic eruption of Mount Toba around seventy thousand years ago. Okay, and the the genetic evidence seems to suggest that at that point the entire human population of the world was reduced to just 2,000 individuals. We were hanging on by the skin of our teeth. Um, And and that also then suggests that any lost civilization we're looking for is unlikely to be older than 70,000 years old. It's likely to have emerged in the time after 70,000 years ago. Uh, And that actually, I haven't gone into that in in depth in in Magicians of the Gods at all, but it raises an interesting point, you know, that these, these very challenging events, when they occur... Often spark off a new pattern of behavior. People become inventive and creative after after this, and something new begins to happen. And and you know maybe the Mount Toba event is connected to the origins of the lost civilization, the fingerprints of which I have been following around the world for a couple of decades. Certainly,
0: because yeah, that's the and I guess that's where sometimes reading the description of these very apocalyptic events, it's really. It's challenging to figure out how did anybody survive, you know, yeah. not only in the initial event, yeah. which seems monstrous enough. But, you know, you get lucky, you were locked in a cave or yes. something. But then is how do you make a living afterwards yeah. in the yeah. world that's yeah. left
2: behind? And, where And let's put the, the scale of these events into some mm-hmm. kind of context. Uh, you know, we think in terms of it's, it's useful to conceptualize it in terms of n- nuclear explosive mm-hmm. power. Um, and um, if, you were to, if you were to take the entire nuclear arsenal presently existing on Earth yeah. and blow it up all at once, you would have a yield of about 6.4 gigatons. Mm-hmm. Okay. That would be your yield. Now, we had a recent, relatively recent witness of a comet impact on the planet Jupiter in 1994. Mm-hmm. That was quite a small comet. That was a comet only about two kilometers in diameter. And it broke up into about 20 fragments. And many will remember that sort of freight train of fragments mm-hmm. glowing in the sky that were, that were shown on the, on the NASA, NASA cameras. And then those 20 fragments plowed into the planet Jupiter. Jupiter draws them in with its, yeah. with its massive, massive gravity. And the combined power... Of those explosions on Jupiter from a two-kilometer comet was 300 gigatons, 50 times more than the entire nuclear arsenal of the Earth going off at once. That's yeah. to give you some sense of how much power these things yeah. pack, these objects that are coming mm-hmm. in sixty, seventy thousand 70,000 miles an hour, superheating through the atmosphere, but they're too big to be burnt up in the atmosphere. And they, and they hit the Earth, and, and they they change everything. Sure. The, the impacts on the North American ice cap liquidized a huge a huge area of the ice cap. At the same time, superheated ejector is thrown into the upper atmosphere, and it can fall hundreds of kilometers away from where it went up, sparking off continent-wide wildfires. Mm-hmm. And there's evidence of that in the Younger Dryas Stratum. there's right. a very distinct black mat, which is a sooty mass that was caused by continent-wide wildfires. So, so you need to – this is where the, the detective work begins. What kind of – what kind of agency is involved that can set off continent wild wildfires yeah. and ma- melt a huge area of the North American ice cap and cause, and cause gigantic flooding? And you begin to have to narrow it down. What could, what could do that? And then you start looking in the soil. And this is what the scientists have done so effectively. they mm-hmm. found this distinct layer... Immediately above the last remnant of the Clovis culture and immediately above the extinct bones of, of animals sitting right on top of it is this layer which is filled with evidence of continent-wide wildfires and other products which are the unmistakable products of a cosmic impact. And they, they include melt glass. That melt glass is pretty much identical to what we call trinitite sure. the, the melt glass produced by n- nuclear explosions, mm-hmm. evidence of very high temperatures, uh, nanodiamonds which are only visible under a, a microscope, they, they are caused by the massive heat and shock mm-hmm. of, these, of these impacts, they literally created carbon spherules uh, evidence of temperatures, and this is sort of mind-boggling. Evidence of temperatures in excess of the boiling point of quartz. You know, imagine <laughs> boiling a piece yeah. of quartz—two thousand two hundred degrees centigrade. This, and, and across very wide areas, and, right. and suddenly it becomes it becomes a no-brainer. We are yep. dealing with a cosmic impact. These nano iridium, iridium in the soil—a classic fingerprint of a cosmic impact. They, they are they are evidence that this has happened. But the the critics have said, "But show us the crater." And the critics used to say that about um, the dinosaur extinction, too. Mm -hmm. Initially, the case for the dinosaur extinction was based entirely on the same impact proxies that are now uh, being brought into evidence for for the Younger Dryas impact. And uh, in the same way, Lewis and Walter Alvarez were subjected to enormous criticism by their colleagues. But as time passed went by and the search widened, they found the crater. And the crater now deeply buried beneath the Gulf of Mexico has been imaged with remote sensing and there it is. And that's the point where the argument shifted. Then the the critics who had said, no, this couldn't have happened, they were presented with an irrefutable fact which they could not resist. Um, And this is happening with the Younger Dryas impact too, that that craters are now being found uh, just beyond the edge of the ice cap in the northeast of North America. There Mm -hmm. are now a number of craters, the Corasol crater, the Bloody Creek structure, that have been identified and directly connected to this impact. And then you have shock effects. You see, the reason the search for craters has been has been quite hard is because the primary impacts were on ice right. that was at that point still about two kilometers My, deep. Right. And, and, and those craters were excavated. They were transient. They were excavated in ice, which then melted away, yep. leaving no... Immediate evidence on the ground, except there are shock effects yeah. under the ground, and those are being detected as well. So this case is just going stronger and stronger and stronger. We have an extinction-level event in the foundations of history, and it's about time we started thinking about the implications for our story about our origins of civilization. And that's primarily why I've written Magicians of the
0: Ghosts. No, definitely. And in fact, I want to get to your end point, for sure, because that's yeah. an important one.
1: It's funny. I was lucky enough uh, to go to JPL and see some of their Spitzer images, which Mm -hmm. is the one that uh infrared, yes. And one that they don't show to people, I was looking to see if I could find it, is these debris trails Mm -hmm. that trail all through the universe and just be I mean all all this universe, idiot, all through the solar system, Mm -hmm. like spider webs. Yeah. Behind all you know, anything that's flying by is losing pieces. Mm -hmm. And when they look at, you know, very low temperature but still being heated by the sun you see these trails that go everywhere, we to are the solar surrounded system. by a cat 's cradle of
2: orbiting rocks, and some of which are, are asteroids, amazing. some of which are comets. actually, many asteroids are remnants of former comets as well there is, is a distinction between the two, but we have this this you just huge mass of rock circling the earth and when you really get into
1: it in depth and look at it it's a miracle that
2: we're not hit more often
1: well there's a great tweet that will let out every time one gets within 10 uh, moon distances yeah and generally they come from the sun and you see them on thursday and they come whipping by on wednesday exactly the next week. so very recently in, in october
2: 2015. They, 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 in fact, round about Halloween. Oh yeah, the uh, skull one. Less than yeah, it had a look of weird. That was a dead. That was a dead comet. Wasn't that it That was a dead comet, and and um, you know that whizzed by on Halloween fast at, at about, very fast very fast at about the distance of the moon from the earth which you know sounds like a lot but actually if you consider the infinite size of the universe yeah. that is a really close pass yeah. but what's more worrying about it is that NASA only found that rock on the 10th of October just 20 days before it passed through yeah. and there's nothing we could do I mean, 70,000 miles an hour you're not going to do anything at that point it's way too late to, yeah. if it were going to impact the earth to do anything about it so the work, the work actually needs to be done now. Uh, and I feel, you know, this is this is a, an important point, which I wish to make, um, is that that there is a cataclysmic element in my book, but I do not want, I do not want to spread gloom and doom. Mm-hmm. I don't want to manifest disaster upon the earth. My, my point is that we are in a rather dangerous cosmic situation. But we have the technology, we have the capacity to change that, we can make our cosmic environment safe. How so? It's a matter of choice. The technology already exists to identify all the space rocks that mm-hmm. are out there. We just have to put our eye on the ball instead of putting it on the wrong ball, which we're doing at the moment. And we put our eye on the ball, identify all the rocks, track all their orbits. We may be dealing with as many as 100,000 objects. Right. These are the calculations that have not been identified yet. Identify all their objects and then nudge them into safer orbits it can be done relatively calmly you don't want to blow these things up sure uh, then you end up because then you million pieces y- you that hit you anyway and, right uh, of re- course and really bad buckshot yeah. Uh, it, it can be very unpredictable, uh, so what you want to do is to study their orbits and then nudge them and the, the, a number of technologies there 's about ten different technologies already exist that you, you, you use kinetic energy to just push the thing huh. into a slightly different orbit, very carefully calculated, or actually you, you literally paint one side of it with lasers, you change the albedo, the reflectivity of one side, and the sun 's rays themselves <laughs> will then will then move it oh there 's so many great wow.
1: they 're ridiculous there 's one where you collect space dust and get you a big bean bag of space dust yeah. And just because sl- you only got to knock it a quarter of a degree, that's it, right? That's it. And you're clear and you're safe. if so, you know five you years know, in advance. Yeah, so so it's a matter of choice for humanity.
2: Yeah. See, I, 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 let's get into this now because mm-hmm. because the the fact is that we pass twice a year through the Torrid Meteor Stream. Mm-hmm. We've we've just been through it. These are the debris trails. Here. The Torrid Meteor Stream is one of them. Yep. We've just passed through it. Actually, the the peak was a, was a few days yep. ago, and and they often call them the Halloween. Fireworks, the torrid meteor stream, which is thirty million kilometers wide, the Earth passes through that stream of debris twice a year. It passes through it at the end of June, beginning of July, and it passes, and it passes through it in November. At uh, the end of June, beginning of July, we don't see meteors because it's coming from the direction of the sun at that point. But in November, we do, and it's a, it's a very active month for, right. for, for meteors, and the torrid meteor stream is a big part of it. Now, it turns out that the torrid meteor stream is in fact the fragmented debris of the very same comet, fragments of which hit the Earth with devastating effect 12,800 years ago. Further fragments hit the Earth 11,600 years ago and many more fragments are still aloft. The last encounter we had, devastating encounter, with an object from the Torrid meteor stream was on the 30th of June, 1908, when uh, oh, a bit of it, not a very big bit, fortunately, mm-hmm. about 100 meters in diameter, entered the Earth's atmosphere. And it was an airburst. It exploded at about five kilometers above the Earth's surface, very fortunately, above an entirely uninhabited area of Siberia. But the effect was to flatten 80 million trees across an area of 2,000 square kilometers, which is, to put it in perspective, about the size of the city of London. Um, If that impact had occurred over a major center of population... Uh, Wiped out thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of people would have been killed. And we would be very conscious that the Torrid meteor stream is a dangerous issue because the astronomers who've been working on this, just as the Younger Dryas impact has been has been substantiated primarily by earth scientists, Mm -hmm. by geologists. For more than 20 years, there's been a team of astronomers who've been focusing their attention entirely on the Taurid meteor stream. And their evidence is that it is the fragmented debris of a giant comet, which they believe entered the solar system about 20,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. And they've now joined up the dots. And they've shown that the impacts of 12,800 years ago were from that comet, and that we are still twice a year passing through the debris stream, and that it takes us 12 days each passage because the debris stream is 30 million kilometers wide and we, we travel at about 2.5 million kilometers a day on our orbital path. Luckily enough, since 1908, and that uh, we've been passing through filaments of the stream where there is mainly dust right. and, 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 and small pieces of rock which make a nice... Sound and light show at night, but they don't—they don't hurt yeah. us. But the astronomers' calculations are that there—it's uh, not only calculations. The 19 of the brightest near-Earth objects, which are dangerous objects that are crossing our path twice a year, are in the Torrid Meteor Stream. There is a known comet in the stream called Comet Enki. That is a fragment of the original mm-hmm. giant comet. There's another <laughs> mysterious object called Oggiato that looks like a bit of a comet, but it's very dark. Comets often um, eject tar, which covers their surface, and they c- c- can become completely invisible. They don't pr- produce a tail. No. They're not outgassing. And, and uh, calculations indicate that there's at least 100 asteroids in the torrid meteor stream of more than one kilometer in diameter. Uh, And worst of all, that there's one object in there. The astronomers believe, which may be as much as 30 kilometres in diameter, and it's totally dark. It's a fragment of the original comet, and we are crossing its path twice a year. Right. So the comparison I make in the book is that it's like strapping on a blindfold twice a year, hoping for the best, and crossing a six-lane highway. Yeah. You you just hope that you know it's only it's only motorcycles that that are coming down. You don't want any big trucks to be there when we're, we're crossing. So, but this is not a reason to say, ah, the end of the world is nigh. Um, This is a reason to say, here is a real existential threat to life on Earth. and, And we actually can do something about it. Let's stop fucking around, making war upon one another and spreading this atmosphere of fear and hatred and suspicion Mm -hmm. and and spending you trillions of dollars on on weapons of mass destruction to to destroy our fellow human beings, our, our brothers and sisters, let's instead take that effort and that skill and that science and let's turn it into a grand project to sweep our cosmic environment clean and make sure we are not the next lost civilization. Yeah, of course. And we can do it. We don't have to throw up our hands in yep. despair. We can we can deal with this. It can be a positive story for mankind, not a negative story. What's the
0: general attitude right now with NSA and uh, all of it? Like, how much uh, is there interest within the agency? How much is there? There interest, is interest uh,
1: within the agency. Okay. They would love to do it, but they can never get funded. They'd they rather fund funded. some asshole that wants to mine an asteroid than to get to saving the whole planet. Yeah, right. It's crazy. No, those guys would. These guys would start tomorrow. And can you imagine a space program? We're on, on the scale of the Defense Department? Yeah. yeah. It would be awesome. They could right. do awesome things. And, 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 and teaching would be cool again, and math and science would be important, yeah. and people would have other things to do than blow each other up. Yeah. So these guys want to do it, it's just lack they do. of political... There are, there are uh, many scientists
2: who want to do it, but they can't raise the money, yeah. because the money is being diverted to other things. So right now, the, the global community is, is spending really chump change on on observing and tracking our cosmic environment. That's why that asteroid that passed within the moon's distance from the Earth was missed yeah. until 20 days before it passed, because, because these things come as a total surprise, because really nobody's looking for them yeah, that much. Of course. And, you know, NASA says rather comfortingly that, that of all, all the objects that we've identified, we don't think that any of them are going to hit the Earth in the next 100 years. Well, that's true. Sure. The problem is the, the ones you haven't identified, identified right. which keep cropping up. Yeah. And, and the, the calculations, again, this is done mathematically, the calculations indicate that there may be at least 100,000 Earth-crossing objects all of which can ca- cause a cataclysmic event on Earth that have not been identified. Yeah, that's yeah. a big number. It's a big that's number. Uh, and, and it's a- play, we're playing chance with, with the entire future of the human species and we shouldn't be doing that. We should be paying attention definitely. It. So I guess the option
0: number one is Governments would have to respond to this and actually invest the money yes. into the stuff. Is there any option along the private billionaire who goes that route? Is there any sign of anybody doing something like that? One billion billionaire alone what? would not
2: be enough. Right. You, you, this, is a, this would be, let's put it this way, this would be a, a grand human project on right. a scale that we almost haven't imagined before. And right. it would require us to bring together humanity. It would right. require the, the, the skills and expertise Expertise of people from many different cultures. It has right. to be a cooperative project. It has to be
1: funded cooperatively. But so, right. it would really be Starfleet. It, it would be an amazing thing where we all came together because it's not just you'd have to have ships out there to, to interact, but you, it's just the amount of telescopes you'd have to put out mm. to do a proper job. And they have to be I guess out that's in orbit. one
0: question. Sorry if I'm asking it to you because obviously you're not. I remember listening to Randall Carson on mm-hmm. Joe Rogan, and yeah. uh, I know you did a podcast with him. Mm-hmm. And the. Um, unless I read it wrong and as The Princess Bride told me to say and I'm never wrong <laughs> the, um, it's amazing how I realize I watched The Princess Bride with my daughter again not so long ago yeah. it's funny how many lines I think are mine and then you I throw them bad. out there and I'm like oh I totally stole them from The Princess Bride <laughs> that, it's written too well that's yeah. brilliant but
1: inconceivable
0: yeah absolutely mm-hmm. <laughs> In, uh, um, I guess my question was this Randall seemed to have a very if I read it correctly he's political position was not exactly for big government. He was not a Nor big fan money. of... Uh, I,
2: I, I am not for big government either. I don't want to do anything <laughs> that empowers government. Um, I, this, let, let's, let's, sure. uh, let's also remember mm-hmm. what government is. Government is supposed to be our servant. Sure, We pay for government. There's no such yeah. thing as government money. Yeah. That's all our money. Yeah. That's all public money. And what governments are presently doing is taking that money and misusing it. Misusing it enormously and making the world a much more dangerous place, never mind about comets and asteroids. One of the biggest threats to humanity is humanity itself and the behavior of our big states and governments. So I I definitely don't want to do anything that empowers governments further because they are one of the darkest forces in the world today. I, I I think that we you know we are looking at an awakening of, of, of humanity and the possibility of a grand human project that doesn't have to be controlled and channeled exactly through government I don't know how right. how we're going to do it because I feel it's rather urgent that we get on with this yeah. but I would I would like to find a way that doesn't uh, make government even more powerful we need to that there's another thing human beings yeah. need to do is we need to unpick the power of governments and we need to unpick the power of the big states and the big corporations and the big religions because these are what are fucking our world up we need to unpick Pick it all and move and move forward i n- 'm not saying it 's easy
0: no definitely, because it be seems
2: like there's a weird
0: catch twenty two thing going on there because on one end, uh, clearly we have plenty of evidence how, of how governments screw things up mm. at the same time, the scale that we are describing, the scale of the project, the scale of the money, as you 're saying, is not just one enlightened no. multi billionaire who can pull it off. No. The scale of the money is such that there really there is no such thing on earth right now no. that can finance it other than Multiple governments working together. So so perhaps
2: that very fact of of multiple governments working together in the name of the human race would in itself change the chemistry of government. Um, but you know, we, this, this is something that has to be done with the full informed consent of all humanity. Yeah. We have to say we have this project. It's very important for us. And let's do it in the best way possible. Let's, right. let's learn from the mistakes of the past. There is an opportunity yeah. in this for humanity to remake itself. But no. it's, uh, n- uh, Nobody is claiming that it's going to be easy. Very difficult.
0: No, definitely, because it seems that the amount of change required... Mm you have to convince one government you have to convince the other government yeah. you have to convince you know, so many things yeah. have to fit and into and you have place. to convince
2: them to, to, to substantially defund the military which right. is the other thing because that's where the big the well big yeah because money has to come from somewhere yeah. and it's not going to come from and, cutting and right now down and there's enormous vested interests in, in further increasing the funding yeah. of, the, of the military and that undoubtedly is adding to the power of the state of course no question about it of course it's empowering the state every time they press the fear button yeah. and, and persuade us that we must go and bomb somebody Else, sure. that is adding to their to the to their power so we're in a bad situation with yeah. governments already uh and 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 i have a feeling that changing the focus and and looking at a at a truly a
1: common threat to humanity yeah. uh could change that picture very much it's almost going to require something to hit us pretty hard because if russia what two years ago didn't convince anybody yeah i mean that was a real daytime yeah shattering windows yeah You know, a little bit bigger, a little bit faster. Yeah. The city's erased. Yeah. That to make sense. Yeah. I know. And nobody pays any attention. But as
0: ugly as it is, you almost need to have the quote unquote luck. Of having a major city Wiped off the face that's of the, the earth the That trash. would wake it up yeah. But that, the sequence has to be A, that has to happen That is big enough To catch people's attention But not so big As to actually cause A mass level extinction yeah. Yeah. That seems like a lot of
2: dice have of the to yeah, It's a big ask of the universe yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know So all we can do really is, is draw attention to this problem many scientists Are trying to draw attention There's a mm-hmm. thing called World Asteroid Day you Right That happens every June I think um, There's some, some big Celebrities involved in—I think Brian yeah. May, who was a former guitarist with Queen, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly—he's one of the spokesmen for World Asteroid Day. There are people who are seriously trying to draw attention to this and say, "Hey, you know, we have absolutely got to attend to this," but the world is not listening. Right, at the, the world is not listening. It would be awful if the world ended up listening because we allow another catastrophic yeah. event to happen. It right. would be terrible if that happened. But psychologically, in a way, you're right to get the we're such a in some ways we're so brilliant, and in some ways we're so thick headed that to get the message we really need to kick up the ass. I'm not calling for that. I sure. don't want that of to course. happen. I would like people to get the message simply from the facts yep. and the evidence on the ground. And 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 the and, and, and the realization underlying all of this that we are not Nations and races and ethnic groups and mm-hmm. religions yes. we are, we are humanity, an entire yeah. brother and sister community of humanity mm-hmm. all of us connected all of us with the same hopes and fears and dreams I can go to any remote part of the world any distant part of the world and I find human beings exactly like me who have exactly the hopes and fears that, that I have why should I want to be locked in war with these people yep, yep. It, 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 who's serving who's being served by this model of warfare that we've that we've brought into the world now and the answer is: who's being served is
1: big governments of
2: course. and big corporations, and big corporations. Yeah, of
1: course it's yeah. funny uh, Winston Churchill said you can always count on the Americans to do the right thing as a last resort <laughs> yeah I don't know it's funny because when
0: you think about even like the you know Eisenhower uh, military industrial complex speech I always find it funny because on one end he nails it perfectly oh. and on the other end is you are the one who put as director of CIA dolls who mm-hmm. set up you know it's like are, are you kidding me it's like that's a little late <laughs> in the game to tell me I prefer
1: the Charlie Chaplin great dictator speech yeah 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 of course oh, that's an amazing yeah. speech and, and in 1940 yeah it's like he was seeing the future yes. yeah yeah yeah
0: No, it's tricky. It's tricky because... uh, And I think it's the same thing, I mean, in a microcosm. It's sort of like, you know, when you have some project or you have, uh, like... Or something even like podcasting, right? Where you have... It's open, it's there, you Mm. give it to people. And, of course, you need to somehow make money out of Mm. it, right? Mm. The problem is people are so bombarded Mm. with things that people are asking them to pay attention to. Click this thing, um, sign this petition, give money, do this. That there's such a level of natural cynicism of, like... Oh, Jesus. Do I really have to? So yes. let alone on something of such Transcape. a magnitude. So, you know, if you have a uh, hundred thousand listener and 0.25% will donate or yeah. something, then if you have humanity, how many people are going to respond? Especially yeah. when it's not, it affects you. It's yeah. a global thing. It's, a global it's like. Thing. How about my neighbor starts? How about he can donate to you? You know, it's
2: like, exactly. I'll… Uh exactly. That's why I regard this as a wake-up call mm-hmm. to humanity. Right. It's up to us how we yep. choose to respond. And, and, and uh, in, in that sense, as is almost often the case, we, we have a great deal of choice. Yep. It's the realizing that we have that choice that's the problem. Right. It, it's up to us. We will define ourselves as a species by the way that we deal with issues like mm-hmm. this.
0: No, big time. I completely agree. I guess, going back to, if I may, uh, the one thing that I was puzzled with earlier, and um, Mm -hmm. then we went into a different route, like... How do you think, like, in, and I understand this is speculation and obviously we don't know, mm. but how do you think that somebody may have survived mm. something that dramatic, where, you know, the initial impact is monstrous, mm. the life, the world that you inherit, not for a year where you rough it out, and, mm. but for centuries after mm. that, mm. is mm. so changed that probably all the resources you're used
2: to relying on to make mm-hmm. a living are gone? Because it's it back in Africa, apart. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you who survives mm-hmm. impacts like that. And who would survive it if it happened again now? If something on the scale of the Younger Past Cataclysm happened now? There there (laughs) are certain groups of people on this planet who would survive. And they are the hunter-gatherers. They are are the meek of the earth. The hunter-gatherers of the Amazon jungle would, by and large continue with their lives, they would handle it. They have, they have survival skills. The, the, the Bushmen of the Kalahari, enormously resourceful in, individuals who have the ability to survive. Those who wouldn't survive... Are, are those of us in the highly technological, so-called advanced cultures, who have no survival skills whatsoever, sure. who do not know how to hunt, who do not know how to grow crops, who do not know how to build anything. We depend on this complex, interrelated network uh, for our survival. You pick that apart, and suddenly… You discover that the civilization that you thought was grand and great and would last forever is actually very fragile and, and broken apart. And I suspect that this is how the world was before the cataclysm of 12,800 years ago, that there, just as today, we have a planet upon which we have a highly advanced technological society and we have hunter-gatherers coexisting. And there are even some of those hunter-gatherers who actually don't even know we exist. Sure. Like the uncontacted yeah. tribes in the Amazon. I suspect it was that way uh, before the last cataclysm. And that, and that the primary survivors were the hunter-gatherers who right. existed on the planet at that time. But that... My, my view is that some of the individuals from the former civilization also survived. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some specific texts, like the Edfu building texts, which I go into in the book, mm-hmm. which really give an account of this. They give an account of a cosmic cataclysm and the submerge, the piercing and the submergence of the island homeland mm-hmm. of the gods. And, and they make it clear the whole language of the Edford building text is to do with navigation and sailing, that these were seafarers. And, and the story they tell is that when the cataclysm occurred, some portion of them were at sea in mm-hmm. a far off location and they made their way back. To the site of their former island, and they found the sea to be filled with mud, and mm. the island was no longer there. Right. That in itself is an interesting point. Because Where was this found? I'm sorry. This is the, called the Edfu building texts. Okay. Mm. It's a temple. It's a temple dedicated to the god Horus at Egypt. Edfu okay. yeah. in Upper Egypt. Yeah. Now, the temple itself is not vastly old. The temple, as we see it now, is a Ptolemaic temple. It dates from about 300 BC. But it stands on the foundations of a much earlier temple, which turns out stood on the foundations of an even earlier temple. Right. And the temple of Horus at Edvu is simply the latest incarnation of a series of temples receding back into the mists of time. It inherited the library, the archive of the former temples. Right. And that archive included material which they state was written on animal skins and it was so old and so fragile that it was crumbling and falling apart. Mm-hmm. And the priests, therefore, took the decision that they would preserve the archive by they didn't preserve it all unfortunately and they tell us this but they preserved extracts from it which are which are written on the walls of the temple deeply inscribed in the walls of the temple and these are the edfu building texts the mud in the sea is interesting because the mud in the sea is described in plato's account of atlantis when atlantis went down all that was left was mud Mud. and and the, the the edfu texts make it clear that the survivors made it their mission their project to reincarnate to reinstate, to restart the former world of the gods. And they then wandered the world. There's a specific word that's used for their wandering. And they settled in various locations. And they attempted to plant the seeds of civilization again. And that's why one of the archaeological sites that I investigate in Magicians of the Gods in depth, the Gobekli Tepe in yep. Turkey, uh, is so intriguing. Yep. Because here's a giant megalithic site, at least 6,000 years older than any other known megalithic site on earth, yep. which suddenly crops up in the archaeological record out of nowhere yep. Yep. and it That's... wasn't discovered it wasn't discovered until the second half of the 1990s why because the original people who made gobekli tepe after it had served some function for them for a thousand years they buried. deliberately buried it yeah. and it remained buried gobekli tepe actually means a pot-bellied hill and that mm-hmm. pot-bellied hill sitting on top of the site is entirely made by man yeah. poured on hiding this site like a timed capsule. And right now the fairy tale that archaeologists are telling us is that, oh, that was a group of hunter-gatherers and for some reason they were uh, inspired to create megalithic architecture. We can't quite explain how they accumulated the skills to do that or the organizational ability as hunter-gatherers to bring together teams of hundreds of people to to put up 20 to 50 ton megaliths perfectly aligned to the stars, Uh, but they did it. And and, and by the way uh, on that same day that they woke up magically equipped to create the largest megalithic site ever found on earth 6,000 years older than any other uh, they also decided to invent agriculture as well uh, yeah. what I see at Gobekli Tepe it was, a good day. <laughs> it was a good day what I see at Gobekli Tepe is obviously a transfer of technology yeah. that, that individuals settled at Gobekli Tepe just as we're told in the Edfu texts they settled at Gobekli Tepe and they brought with them the skills to create megalithic architecture and the knowledge of how to disseminate agriculture and they set about sharing that knowledge with the local population and that's what we see on the ground. And yeah. Gobekli Tepe in itself also raises question marks over the age of many other megalithic sites around the world. We can be secure with the dating of Gobekli Tepe mm-hmm. because it was sealed. Yeah. Deliberately sealed and then untouched for more than 10,000 years after that. Yep. The problem with many other megalithic sites is they've been trampled over by later cultures. Of course. Later cultures introduce their own organic material, and that organic material is carbon dated and produces a falsely young date. It's like going yep. to Westminster Cathedral and digging up a burial done in the 1950s and saying, oh, Westminster Cathedral was made in 1950. Right. It's, it's a really crazy th- crazy <laughs> yeah. thing to do. So we have to, we have to now question the, the dates of many other megalithic sites, most crucially, the great Great Sphinx of Giza. And I go into this at some length in Magicians of the Gods because thanks to the work of John Anthony West and Professor Robert Schock of Boston University we've known for for quite a while since about 1992 that the Great Sphinx at some point in its career was subjected to about a thousand years of extremely heavy rain. And you don't get that rain in 2500 BC when Egyptologists would like the Sphinx to have been made. You get that rain back in this cataclysmic episode. There's a huge rain out from the heavens as all that water vapor goes up into the Sky. So, back in '92, when Shock and West said the Sphinx may be 12,000 years old, the Egyptological community was in uproar of and course, outrage and course. said, "This is not possible. It cannot yeah. be." Um, there was no other monument, megalithic monument anywhere in the world that's that's 12,000 yeah. years old. Well, now we have Göbekli Tepe, and and if you can make Göbekli Tepe, you can make the Sphinx. I think we're looking at the fingerprints of the same lost civilization. Yeah. And there are other sites. Yeah. We don't have time today to go into it all. It's all there in the book. Yep. For example, Gunung Star- Kodang in Indonesia, 20,000-year-old in yep. yeah. Pyramid. Dear. These sites are rewriting history, and they yep. fit exactly with what we now know about cataclysmic events between 12,800 and 11,600 years ago. And I, I maintain that the time has now come when we must closely investigate the whole story of the origins of our civilization. I've always said we are a species with amnesia. Yeah, I love that scrumptious
1: scrum- or- scrum- that scrum- morsel where they... Know something and then unlearn it, yeah. over and over and over, yeah. over yeah. and over. And I can.
0: mean, the case I think of all the pieces of evidence, the Goble- sorry. Gobekli sorry, Gobekli- Thank you. Uh, it's the strongest in the fact that. There's no way, based on everything we know about hunting and gathering cultures, you do not have the numbers to you do that, let alone the knowledge. That's a whole yeah. different, you know, let's assume miracle happens, yes. whatever. But you don't have the
2: numbers. You to don't support, have the numbers uh, and, and you don't have the specialists. Yep. You see, this is the problem. You need the specialists who yeah. are specialist stonemasons, mm-hmm. who, who, oh, yeah. who, who are specialists in, in, yeah. in site management, the very flow, the flow of material from the quarry mm-hmm. to the site all of that, you have to feed and water at least 200 people in an area where there is absolutely yep. no water at all. This is not a work of hunter-gatherers. No, This is a work of people who already know how to do all of that. Yeah, you don't get uh, four tribes of 50 hunter-gatherers
0: each to put that together. No. That requires such a massive amount of people yeah. that it's usually not, you know, so uh, that's something in that story just doesn't add up exactly. according to the official version, for
1: What's sure. it like when you're down amongst the pillars? Is it amazing? It's amazing. It's oh, an amazing,
2: feel it, i feel it, I feel it strongly, the i guy feel like they're tapping tap, away at those little vests it's almost it's almost like time travel but unfortunately I have great respect actually for the work the German Archaeological Institute has done at Gobekli Tepe Um, but their aesthetic sense is somewhat lacking Uh, and in the last year a hideous wooden roof has Mm. been placed above Gobekli Tepe cutting it off from the cosmos then which it should not be cut off from then they found that the roof was subject to blowing away in high winds so they hung platforms inside it and piled tons of stones on those platforms and now when you go in under that roof you can hardly see the megalithic pillars they're, they're yeah. just obscure. there's obscure the fire extinguishers everywhere and those hideous hideous platforms weighed down with stones and it's just really they've made a beautiful a beautiful sight that touches that touches you at your at your deepest levels they've done, they seem to have done their level best to make it as ugly and as unattractive as possible well
0: one thing i want i know you got to go so i'll make it one minute long but i'm curious to have your take on this the, um, one of the themes that interests me when it comes to you know the changes that human beings have to make mm-hmm. in order to um, in order to kind of live more fulfilling lives and in order to face some of to me one of the key modern themes is the idea of community you know the fact that yes. our civilization has evolved in a direction where community you know we, we don't t- it's uh, mother father kids who live in a household mm-hmm. and are separate mm-hmm. from everybody mm-hmm. else you know mm-hmm. we lost uh, we've lost community yeah we lost tribes we yes, lost we, and there's some good of it because you don't want to get stuck in the tiny little um, no, place you don't. but
2: there but but there are very, there are very great goods mm-hmm. in in the notion of tribes and yeah. and what what i see and again where i take hope is the emergence of a new kind of tribe mm-hmm. in the world today which is not based on ethnic or national or religious identity, but which is based upon a community of ideas that's what's happening with the internet that we are able to speak to our brothers and sisters all around the world and find those with whom we identify and share common cause with them and that is that is actually the best of the tribal instinct within us that we, that we find ourselves in common ground with people that we love and care for and there's so much nurture and so much positivity that comes out of that so although there are many downsides to the internet this is one of the very positive yep. sides that it's breaking down national boundaries when you talk to somebody on the, on the, on the internet whether it's on, on, on Facebook book or by, by whatever means, the last thing you care about is where they're sitting or what they, yeah. where, under which flag they were born. The, you care about their ideas absolutely. And, and, and communicating with those ideas. And I
0: think in that sense, having that, which you're absolutely right, and combining with also some kind of face-to-face thing where we can also have an element where we are not just locked in front mm-hmm. of our screen, but that we have multiple levels, mm-hmm. to me, I think that's one of the healthiest things we can do. This is the as,
2: way to go. Uh, I, I, I feel... We have great hope yep. as, a, as a species. Mm-hmm. We have great hope for the future. H- humanity is a, is a, is a resilient and, 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 and beautiful species. We've made many mistakes, but we are in the process of learning f- from those mistakes. And there is an awakening taking place in the world. I'm very conscious of this because I travel a lot and I talk to audiences in many mm-hmm. different parts of the planet and all over the world. I see young people waking up and refusing to put up with the bullshit any longer. I love it.
0: Okay, my man, I know you're in a hurry and you need to run. So thank you so much for making the time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show. Always amazing. We'll give, uh, you know, we'll put episode uh, links in the episode notes regarding your new book, regarding your website, Facebook, the whole deal. Thank you. Thanks so much. much.
1: You know, we could have gone on for another two hours. We were just getting warmed up. But sadly, a bit of a scheduling issue, and he's ripped away from us just as it was getting good. We didn't even talk about Turkey, but for like three minutes. That was awesome.
0: It Holy was, shit. Uh, it was beautiful. It was, um yeah, at the last, Graham had forgotten that he had an appointment on the other side of town about three minutes later, so he had to run. But um it was, a, it was great. I had, a, I had a blast in this conversation. Graham is always a pleasure to chat with, so... Very good stuff.
1: If you need a space video, you can go to the the YouTube and put in My Universe Revolves Around You. And it's my schoolhouse rock version of gravity lessons for children. Nice. So, check it out. I dig that. It's very Graham Hancockian.
0: Uh, December, this is what, December 15th, it December is? 16th by the time this drops. So if you are late with your Christmas shopping and you're still uh, in uh, your Amazon list, uh, you need to go, please use, remember us, do your Christmas shopping by using us, um, our Amazon link.
1: And um, after you bought your Dots of Cera bags, you're on it, uh, <laughs> right. uh, Buffalo jerky and your Happy Nipple, um... Uh, cannabis shirts, all of it absolutely all of it
0: now it would be great again eh, like always if you it doesn't cost you an extra dime and uh, clicking the Amazon link help us out a bunch this month we do not have a donation list because we are recording episodes back to back so we don't there just wasn't the time for having anybody else to be able to come in and donate Taoist Lecture Series is out there uh, it's more than seven hours about Taoism by yours truly if you want to check it out it's less than ten dollars as usual, History on Fire podcast is out there. If you haven't checked it out, please do so. Um,
1: They're great, guys. I've really enjoyed both of them. I can't wait. I already know the third one is, and it's yeah. going to be awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, by this time, December 15th, it should be out. Uh, in the best possible words, this uh, episode three should be two weeks old by now, but of course, we're recording before November 30th, so where there's the usual uh, space-time continuum gap going on here. Um, thank you to Desi House for the music. Um, our affiliates, Coracao Chocolate. So if you guys are in the market for chocolate or for audiobooks, there's Audible. Uh, Over a
1: thousand loans from your fellow listeners to Kiva in the past 18 months. It's incredible. The numbers are ridiculous, and I sure appreciate it. And folks around the world that are getting a hand up and uh, not having to deal with a local loan shark that's just squeezing them, and you can help your folks and friends right here in America, or anywhere all around the world—from Bolivia to Kenya to wherever you like—to help some folks out. It's available for you, and makes a great present for that bratty uh, niece or nephew that might need a lesson. Drop a little Kiva card in their uh, stocking and have, look at their uh, disappointment.
0: You have the bratty niece or nephew. I've had it for a few months now on uh, in mind. I, I, I guess it's a, its an ongoing issue it's in your se- brain. It's a
1: seasonal thing. I just—you oh, know—I I, I can't think of anyone that would deserve it more than some little bastard that doesn't need a, a, a one-thousandth toy.
0: Hey, 1001
1: is the best one, (sighs) but
0: cool, man. Well, thank you guys for listening and we'll touch base again
1: in two weeks. Next year. cazzo in questo caso le provvidenza di dio Duncan showed you the way eh? oh man and that scary the thing
0: nice so don't kill people do that instead <laughs>
1: <laughs> this was great fucking awesome and i love this conversation we've been yeah, having you know, a great hour mess. here and ta-da!
0: Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... uh, Uh,
1: Your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about. Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. (laughs) Just as I was
0: saying, you know, Tombstone. (laughs) (laughs) What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work!